uh, from earlier, and uh, thank you to Paddy, the musicians, and everyone else involved in leading us so helpfully through our first part of our time together. We, uh, as we continue on now, we are going to turn to God's Word, as Paddy's just been praying. And this morning, we have reached our third and final installment from Psalm 119. Hopefully, um, as we've been reading it through it even, uh, during the services, there have been particular verses maybe that have stood out to you. I'm aware that as we've been thinking about this, we have really only just begun to scratch the surface of the riches and the treasures that are here. So I'd really just encourage you, even flowing out of this little series, maybe find some time just to continue to look at this psalm for yourself, dig into it, uh, mine it for the gold, for the riches that are there. Uh, Just before I read the final 24 verses of the psalm together and we look at it then, let me just also remind us very briefly of what we've been seeing so far. First of all, um, we've seen that the psalmist's delight and desire to walk in the the way of the Lord has been obvious, hasn't it? Right the way through this psalm. And that starts with his desire to seek the Lord wholeheartedly. And as we've seen that, we've been thinking together about how that's an inspiration and a model for us to do the same. And then last week, we focused in particularly on the blessing that the psalmist speaks of for those who will do that. The blessing that we'll receive and know, that is of finding God, finding wisdom, finding life in Christ. And of course, as we see those blessings that we considered last week, what do each of them do? They point us back to the reason we have so much, reason we can delight so much in this word, because it holds out blessing to us. And of course, it's a truth that we've been praying that we would see that more and more these last few weeks, and that we together would be stirred, our hearts would be stirred to delight in this word and all that it holds out to us. So with that in mind, let's read uh, the final 24 verses of this psalm together now, and uh, let's delight in them as as we read it. So, verses 153 uh, to the end. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. 
Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Well, let's pray together now as we just turn to consider these words. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we join with the psalmist in saying that we long for your salvation. Your law is our delight. Would you cause our souls to live and praise you and let your rules help us? Because, Lord, we realize again this morning that so often we do go astray like that lost sheep. Even this morning, Lord, would you seek us? For we want to be those who do not forget your commandments, but those who delight in them and who live in the goodness of them. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the uh, greatest weapons that I think the devil has in his armory is to gradually lull Christians off to sleep leaving us becoming more and more lethargic, as it were, then, in our own faith. Less and less concerned for seeking the Lord, for seeking his glory. And of course, as a result, less and less concerned also for the fate of those who don't know the Lord. Perhaps, particularly if you uh, came to faith later on in life as an adult, you remember those early days after becoming a Christian, when you were filled with a zeal for the Lord. Or perhaps whenever you came to faith, you can just remember a time in your life when you really felt like you were purposefully, intentionally seeking the Lord day by day, looking to honor him with all of your life, taking every opportunity you could then also to speak about him. And yet for for some of us, as we think about that, we realize that maybe that is less the case today than it was before. If we're being honest, maybe it's the busyness of life, of work, of family life, of study that's got in the way of that. Perhaps it's the pressures of life, of illness, of family or relationship breakdown. Perhaps the pressures of finding enough money to put the food on the table. Maybe that has even unintentionally just meant that we're beginning to leave the Lord off to the side in our lives, where before he would have been at the center. Or perhaps it's just the many other good things in life that life has to offer that regularly distract. So seeking the Lord and his goodness, his blessing, that's just become less and less important in your day-to-day. Whatever it is, here is what the devil, often through our circumstances, would love to do in your life. To set you on the path to spiritual lethargy. 
to where the things of the Lord become less and less what your life is all about, what it's defined by. That way, perhaps, he can start to lead you down a different path. Sleepwalking, perhaps. Or at the very least, perhaps he can just make you so drowsy that while your work for the kingdom of God doesn't have the same impact and effect. Well, given that reality, I want us to let the words of Psalm 119 wake us up this morning and spur us on, to spur us on to seek the Lord with our whole hearts. That's what the psalmist spoke about right back in verse 2, didn't he? And right the way through this psalm, we have seen a huge intentionality on the part of the psalmist. Nothing of what we've just read there in those last verses or what we've read in the whole of this psalm has seemed half-hearted or sleepy. I don't know if you've got that impression as we've been reading it. No, just listen to some of the language that the psalmist has been using here. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Or how about verse 111? Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever, to the end. That doesn't sound much like the language of a half-asleep believer, does it? And I think that seeing this should remind us and wake us up to this reality in life. That when all is said and done, We have two ways to live. Two ways to live. One way being that intentional, delighting in and walking in the way of the word. And of course the other way, being intentional or perhaps unintentionally, both seem possible, delighting in and walking in the way of the world. We either delight in and walk in the way of the word or we delight in walking the way of the world. And of course, the question then comes to us this morning from that. Which are you doing? Which am I doing? As we see this, I want to see this contrast and feel this contrast, these two ways to live as we turn to eight specific verses here from the psalm. It feels like we've had to skip so much of the beauty, as I've said here. But let's dig into some specific verses here. If you turn with me to 113 to 120, we read these last week, and I just want to pick up on them. And as I say, as we look, up, look at these verses, I want us to see and feel the contrast, that contrast that we're talking about there. First, verse 113, here's what the psalmist writes. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. This is the psalmist picking up on what has been, he's been saying all along, isn't it? What is the blessed life? One that seeks the Lord with all your heart. And so you can see the psalmist here saying, no, double-minded, with all those affections and loyalties all over the place, no, that is not what I want. I don't want that to be me. I want to be single-minded. And in doing that, I want to love your Law, O Lord. And again, this verse comes as an immediate challenge to us, doesn't it? See, the language of double-minded implies, doesn't it, that the person who is talked about there, somewhere along the way, at least outwardly perhaps, says that they love the Lord. But in reality, they're also being pulled away from that love towards other things. And the psalmist is saying, listen, 
That isn't good. See, look at the language there. This language of hate, right? It isn't, well, those, those double-minded, well, they kind of need to just pull their socks up and, and work a bit harder. Or, or no, well, those double-minded, they're, they're not walking the best path, but they should be okay. No, it is, he says here, and he's almost saying this to himself, isn't he? I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And he says that because the psalmist knows that this is his choice in life. Either to allow himself to be pulled away or just to drift towards the way of the world, like these double-minded, or press on in intentionally, wholeheartedly, walking in and loving the word. We see this again if you look to verse 115 then in that same stanza. Again, there's no messing around in these words, no dabbling in the sins of those walking around him for the psalmist, testing them out. No, look at what the psalmist says there. Depart from me you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of God. As we hear this kind of language, as I think, I think as Christians, being lulled to sleep perhaps, this is a huge challenge. Far too often I think we, we are happy in some ways to be pulled along by the values of the world around us. It's way of doing things. Or even if we're not necessarily being pulled along with it just yet, we're just happy to sleepily, drowsily, live alongside it all. But the psalmist knows there is real danger in doing that, doesn't he? So he's not messing around. He is going in the opposite direction. Like he prayed earlier in the psalm as well, verse 29, put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. Seeing this, What about for you and for me then? Is this our attitude as well? Away from me, you friend, family member, work colleague, if you are pulling me away from the way of the word. Or are we actually happy in some ways to stay cozying up to them? Cozying up to the ways that they're holding out to us? I wonder what it would mean for you in your life to say with the psalmist, verse 115 there, depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Not, of course, that you discard your non-Christian friends. Not at all. But it's just that you intentionally do not let yourselves be swayed, distracted, influenced by their way of doing things, the way of the world. And the reason that this is so important for us to do is made really clear in the rest of this stanza. Because look firstly at what loving the law, holding fast to the word of God leads to. Verse 113, he says, I love the law. Verse 114 leads to this truth, that the Lord can then be your hiding place and your shield. As we walk in the way of the word, we walk with the Lord, in relationship with him, in communion with him. And as we do that, we come to realize that no matter what the world around us throws at us, we are safe because God will never let us down. There is no safer hiding place. There is no stronger shield than the Lord himself. 
And in verses 116 and 117, we see even more than this, that it's in hoping in God's word, his promise, that as we were thinking about last week, we will find life. Verse 116, the psalmist prays, Uphold me according to your promise that I may live. And in verse 117, hold me up that I may be safe. And we get a sense of what kind of life, what kind of safety the psalmist is looking at, looking to the Lord for then, in the contrast with the final three verses of this stanza. This is safety, ultimately, from the terrible judgments of God. This is hope of life, even in those righteous judgments. Glance at verses 118 to 120 with me. Because there, instead of knowing the Lord as hiding place, as shield, as one who gives life, there we read of the opposite. We read the Lord spurns those who go astray from his statutes. We read that he discards the wicked like dross. And we read there, don't we, of the fear and the trembling that the Lord's judgment of the wicked rightly brings with it. Seeing this, no wonder the psalmist writes the words like he does in verse 113 or 115 that we've just seen. Or like elsewhere in verse 101, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. He writes those words because he knows where these two paths, these two ways are heading. And they're heading to two very different places. See, imagine with me, you're walking through some woods. Imagine the rain had stopped at some point and you decided you could go outside. And as you're walking through the woods, you come to this fork in the path, being woods that you don't know very well, uh, and there are no signs telling you which way to go. You're forced to make a complete guess. Do you take the left path or do you take the right path? Maybe you think to yourself, well, what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll flip a coin. Heads right, tails left. Okay, tails. Hopefully, you think to yourself, well, hopefully both of them will will bring me out to where I want to go. Well, into that analogy, let's let these words of Psalm 119 and God's word more generally speak into it and change it a bit. See, now, as you approach that fork in the path, there is a sign. And it's this sign that is hammered right in the middle between the two paths. Life this way, death that way. Now that kind of changes things, doesn't it? As you decide which path that you're going to take. I don't think anybody is getting this coin out this time. Oh, well maybe tails left. No. It changes things. See, now that you know where each path is heading, you're going to be heading pretty intentionally, pretty quickly, I would say, up the path that leads to life. Imagine even that your friend's there with you walking, and they think, well, maybe let's just, let's just go a little bit up that other path, see what it's like. You're going to be saying to them, no, depart from me. I am going this way. You're not messing around. And that is exactly the psalmist's attitude here in Psalm 119, isn't it? 
He is not messing around. He knows there are two ways to live, delighting and walking in the way of the word or the way of the world. And he knows where they both are headed. And so he is not straying for one second from that path that leads to life. Now this language of two ways, one that leads to life, one that leads to destruction and death, that's one that Jesus himself picks up, doesn't it? In the New Testament, in something like Matthew 7. So once again, let me just ask you then, straight out this morning, which way are you going? Which path are you heading down? Maybe perhaps you're trying to find some middle path, even, when you think about it. But it's a path that doesn't exist. And I don't ask this kind of question this morning to condemn or to discourage. No, I'm asking this question this morning because my heart in all of this is to encourage you and to say to you, whichever way you say you've been going this past week, this past month, or just generally in life, today is a new day. It is a new day to intentionally say, yes, I really do want to live in the way that leads to life. Delight in the word. Seek the Lord with all my heart. And let me just encourage you as you do that, as we've just been seeing, it is so worthwhile. Because as you do walk in the word, you will find so much blessing, as we were thinking about last week. And you will find that as we've just been seeing there, even in the times of life that will be hard, because this doesn't promise an easy life, but even in the times that will be hard, you will have that hiding place. You will have that shield to protect you. Even in those hard times, you will have God who will, verses 116, 117, who will uphold you, who will hold you up that you may live. How can we be so certain of that? Well, because we've seen to an even greater extent than the psalmist here the fulfillment of his words in the person of of Christ and in the gift of the Spirit. The Spirit who lives in us, who guides us, who strengthens us, equips us, and the Spirit who points us to that person of Christ in whom we find life. To that person of Christ who says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest that we will find nowhere else in the world and we will certainly not find it by walking in the way of the world. Now, following on from this then, recognizing that we are faced with a choice in our lives, in our day-to-day of which way to live, I want us to think now a little bit more practically by seeing two ways that then we can look to go on, to go on the one way, the path to life, and not the other. First, then, it might seem obvious But if we want to work in the way of the word, learning to delight in it, we need to intentionally spend time in it. And in this psalm, the psalmist gives us an example of someone who does exactly that. If you've got your Bible still open there, turn back with me to the beginning of the psalm, to verses 11 to 16, and we'll just see a snapshot of this as a kind of overview of all that we see here. Because in these words, we learn just how intentionally the psalmist spends time in God's word. 
What do we read of the psalmist doing in these verses? Look with me, first to verse 11. Verse 11, he writes that he stores up God's word in his heart. Then jump with me to verse 15. There we read these words that again are repeated five times elsewhere. He meditates on the Lord's precepts. Verse 15 again, we see this language. He fixes his eyes on God's ways. And verse 16, he does not forget God's word. We read of him writing of that seven other times in this psalm. Elsewhere, we read of the psalmist declaring, declaring God's word, singing about God's word, praising God because of his word, thinking of God's word, hoping in God's word, rejoicing in God's word. What does the psalmist need to be doing for all of that? Well, he needs to have God's word in front of him. Or even he needs to have God's word stored up in his heart that he can meditate on it like that. And I think this example of the psalmist, again, should be an inspiration to us. Because if we want to walk in the way of the word, the word needs to be something like this psalmist that we are regularly digging into, spending time in. Now listen, as I say this, I know personally just how busy life can be. I've been there, I am there myself, the kids are up, crack of dawn, work, meetings, family members to look after and help. That is true. But at some point, we also, each of us, have to stop and ask ourselves, am I really not reading God's Word as much as I'd like, spending time in it as much as I want to, because I genuinely do not have the time? I don't have that 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, spare in my day. Or is it actually that you're ending up just prioritizing something else? Perhaps it's that the devil is singing you that lullaby, lulling you off to sleep, distracting you. When the 15 minutes we'd planned to spend reading God's word has been spent instead scrolling through our phones, or when we've spent that time replying to emails that probably, when we really think about it, could have been replied to when we got into work. When those things happen, what are we actually saying is our priority in life? What is it that we are intentionally pursuing? Now, we don't know for certain when the psalmist spends his time meditating on God's word. By the way, That is real meditation, isn't it? That is real life-giving meditation. Not the emptying of our minds of all things like the the world would have it. But this is filling our minds with God's truth. Isn't that true meditation? Anyway, as I say, we don't know when he meditates on God's word. But I can tell you, he almost certainly had a plan and he was intentional about doing that. Perhaps if you glance to verse 147... Perhaps verse 147, it was his practice to rise every day before dawn and cry out to the Lord, hoping in his words. Or maybe the next verse, it was his practice to meditate on God's word at the close of the day, before the night came. 
whatever it may be. For the psalmist, spending time in God's word was not some optional extra in his life. He was going to make sure he did it regularly. So seeing this, how can we look to do the same? Maybe for you it is as simple as sacrificing those 15 extra minutes in the morning of sleep, setting your alarm a bit earlier, removing the snooze option. Maybe it's not looking at your phone in the morning until you've spent time in God's Word. Maybe it's setting aside time each night after dinner or purposely not turning the TV on in the evening until you've spent time in it. Maybe for you it's the best time to read God's Word is before bed. Whatever the case may be, Here is the thing. If you want to walk in the way of the word, you are going to have to do that intentionally. Every single day, making that a priority in your life. It will not just happen. And a word of advice as you, maybe each of us thinks about what that will mean for us in the weeks ahead. Aim big, but don't be afraid also to start small. Rather than maybe immediately now thinking, tomorrow morning, right, an hour, eight chapters, I'm going to go through this. Maybe just say, look, I'm going to find that time this week, those 10 minutes, those 15 minutes, when every day I will just sit in God's word. Perhaps also seemingly following the psalmist example here, you could begin, even again today, to think about what it might mean to store the word in your heart and to carry it with you, not forgetting it. Maybe that is literally, physically carrying a verse around with you. Somewhere you'll see it during the day, in your wallet. Perhaps putting a verse on your screensaver. Perhaps, though, it could also be beginning to slowly commit God's word to memory. Recently, I've not spent as much time doing this as I'd like to, but something that we have been doing as a family around our breakfast table every morning, very simple, with our two girls, is just learning one verse every single week. Now, in many ways, as we do that, we have our girls in mind. We want them to be those who who grow up knowing and loving God's word for themselves. But do you know how often that one little verse is something that sticks with me during my day, that speaks help, hope, grace to me? Like a couple we've learned recently, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. What a truth to carry around. Or what about another one? If, if God is for us, who can be against us? This shouldn't be surprising. It's God's word, right, after all. But it's amazing how often when we carry God's word around with us, in our hearts, we see just how relevant, how life-giving it is in our day-to-day, in whatever we're doing. Where would you start then if you wanted to think about doing this today? Why not think about learning the opening verses of this psalm? Psalm 119 or Psalm 1 perhaps, which speaks similarly. Or you could start working your way through an epistle like Philippians or 1 John. Do you know, even just learning two verses a week, if you did that over the whole year, you would have learned the whole of either of those books. Philippians or 1 John, you would have those books stored up in your heart. You would carry it around with you. What a great blessing that would be to carry a treasure like that into your day to day.
Now, as we set about intentionally doing either of those things, reading, memorizing God's Word, we remember again the heart of doing that. Because remember, the heart of this is never to puff ourselves up, is it? It's never to earn God's favor. We already have have earned that. We have won that through Christ. Christ has given that to us. No, we do all of this because it is a way that we can intentionally stop allowing the ways of the world to bombard us, shape us, and instead just to turn, to seek the Lord and allow his good, life-giving word to be the thing that shapes us, to be the thing that we delight in. So remembering that, as you read God's Word, make sure as well that when you read it, you aren't just blazing through it. Take time as you read. Stop on a verse. Meditate on it. Meditate on what you're seeing there. Perhaps it's about God, His holiness, His majesty. Perhaps it's about the abundant grace that you have received in Christ. Perhaps it's about the comfort of the Spirit in your life. Again, as I said last week, maybe a really helpful way of doing that is just having one of these to hand as you read. A pen. I think uh, John Piper it is who said, a pen has eyes. See, often when we are writing things down, we see things that otherwise we maybe would just skip over. Now to finish then, let's think about this second way second way for us to then intentionally walk in the way of the word more and more. Intentionally reading it and then intentionally obeying it. Seeking the Lord's grace and help even as we do that. Again, this comes right from this, the example of the psalmist here. 26 times I made it as I glanced through it. He writes about keeping God's law keeping his commandments, keeping his testimonies. And he also elsewhere speaks of observing, doing, not swerving from, choosing God's word, which again, very much the same thing. See, it's one thing to spend time in God's word, but then it's also another to live in line with it. That again is something that we are going to have to do intentionally. It is not something that we will just fall into. As we said at the beginning, maybe with the devil lulling us off to sleep, distracting us, whatever it may be, our natural inclination is so often to wander away from the path, the way of God's word. And in fact, we do that even when we deep down know that we are going against God's word sometimes, don't we? So what would it look like to follow the psalmist's example here and look to purposely, intentionally keep, obey God's word in our day to day? Well, first, it looks like remembering that that call for you as a Christian here this morning is not a call that comes with a heavy burden on you. No, that call to obey God's words flows out of the grace and the blessing that you have received from God. We see that in this psalm. If we had more time, we could go there. Your works, you see, will never earn your salvation. That's already won for you at the cross. And second, then, it looks like following the psalmist's example, and every single day, which is what this whole psalm is, every single day calling out in prayer to the Lord and to his Spirit to help us. As one commentator puts it, if you look to the final verse of this psalm, Psalm, uh, verse 176, 
There the psalmist calls for the Lord to seek him, even as he's gone astray. And this is what the commentator says. It is only by the constant watchful seeking of God, as he watches over us by his spirit, that we are kept on that path, that path that leads to life. Already as Christians, we are new creations in Christ. We are changed. But God promises to keep on changing us through the work of the Spirit, to be more like Christ. Or, if we want to use the language of the psalm, to be those who keep God's word, which is, of course, the same as being more like Christ. Christ being the one who only ever kept God's word perfectly. So remembering that your life is lived out, lived out with the beautiful soundtrack of God's grace running right the way through it, remembering the help of the Holy Spirit. Third, then, I think we have to simply set about doing all that we can to intentionally obey that word. Not going about that half-heartedly, sleepily, going about that full throttle. Here's a simple question way of putting it. When God's word says something, will you go about doing it? When the word, for example, speaks of the sin of slander, you getting that coin back out again? You flipping it? Heads one way, tails the other? Or are you saying no? I'm going to take God's word seriously. Knowing the way of the word leads to life. And so I'm going to purposefully put that slander to death in my life. Or what about when the word speaks of the danger of pride? Again, are you flipping that coin? Or will you intentionally walk in the way of the word and set about rooting out pride in your life? Even perhaps not being afraid to turn over some rocks, open a few doors in your life that haven't been touched for a while as you look to, work, to live in the way of the word. Or when the word calls you to love your neighbor as yourself, what's your response? Do you think, well, that's just too high. It calls me to too much. Or will you intentionally, purposely set about doing that in the day, in the week ahead? And of course, God's word doesn't just come to us as lists of commands. It also comes in many other forms. What about when we read in God's word that Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Will you hear that and respond to it and come to Christ? Not turning to the world, but to the way of the word. Knowing that Christ offers rest that the world cannot. If we're going to walk in the way of the word, not the world, we need to be active about it. We need to be intentional about it. We need to be expectant. As we open God's word, we should be expecting it to change us, to shape us, to lead us forward. Remember, as we saw last week, the way of the word is not a way that holds you back from life, from flourishing, from enjoyment, from living life to the full. No, it is the way that gives you all of those things. It shows us how to live life. It shows us how to live a life full of blessing, full of hope. 
So flowing from that, as we finish our three weeks here in Psalm 119, feels like we've only just started, let me just encourage you, as we've been seeing, do all that you can to regularly, intentionally dig into the riches that are found in this book. They're found there. They offer wisdom. They offer blessing. It offers life. And it's my prayer that as we each look to do that, with the psalmist, you and I will come to delight in it more and more. Coming to know that in God's words are words that are sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. Let's pray as we close. Lord, we, with the psalmist, pray these words together this morning. Oh, that our ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that it offers us life, that it offers us blessing, that it offers us wisdom and grace. And Lord, thank you that it directs us and helps us. Lord, would we be those who love your commandments above gold, above fine gold? Would we be those who say with the psalmist, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth? Lord, we long for your salvation. Your law is our delight. Make us a people of your word, we pray. Help us to intentionally spend time in it. Help us to intentionally obey it and respond to it. Lord, we thank you for what we find in it and the glories that are there. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to uh, close our time together this morning by singing this song. We often sing this uh, before we hear from God's word, but it seems like a natural response as we think about God's word and as we, each of us, then go on responding and, and reading it in our own lives. So let's uh, stand and sing, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you.
And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. To take a seat again and...